Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Gracious God, we thank you for the many gifts and blessings you give us in our area. And today as we reflect on the life of Auguste Noko Pelafig, a young person that was influential in my life growing up. He was my teacher for a year. He has now been presented by our bishop to, the, to Rome to begin the process of canonization. Auguste Pelafig is called the servant of God, and so he was. And hopefully we can learn from him and imitate his virtues and qualities of devotion to God, to the church, and the sacred heart. Provide for us, Lord, and our families, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. I'm your guest, Todd Citron. I'm super excited today because we have a great we have a great agenda today because Father Gary Shakespeare, who has been a priest for over 50 years, and just uh, I would consider it to be the Pope of the Cajun Catholics, uh, unofficial Pope, Father, if that's okay. That's humorous enough to me. Good. <laughs> and also we have Mr. Charlie Hardy. He's the president of the uh, Pelafig. The Augustine Pelafig uh, Foundation, and uh, these two guys are on a, a mission to, to to help with the canonization of this great man from Arneville. And with that, I, I'd like to start a little bit, maybe about yourselves. And Father, you, if you don't mind, enough, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I was born in Arneville in the summer of '42. Uh, went to Little Flower Convent, and in those days, the first non-religious to teach at Little Flower Convent was. Auguste Pelafigue, my teacher in the third grade. He was well-known in town, of course, and well-appreciated. Uh, he was a devotee of the church, went to Mass every day, uh, di- di- distributed leaflets of the Sacred Heart every month on foot, and he became very influential in my life as an example of what a person with faith can do for the good of the community and for the good of others. And he was an inspiration to me. He was at my ordination in 1969 and always was encouraging and always there to provide the prayers and the support. And from time to time, guidance. Nolko was not always shy, but he was always correct and guided us in the ways that we needed to be guided. And my life as a priest has been super blessed over the last 50 years and almost 51 years in a few weeks. But my life has been blessed I've been a priest in the area. I was at St. Peter's in New Iberia to start for six years. Then I went to Scott at St. Peter and Paul. Then 10 delightful years at the big church in Opelousas at St. Landry. Then I came to St. Edmund's at the guidance of Bishop Flynn to help the community there build the church that is presently used at St. Edmund's. We built it in 91 and 92. The first mass was September 8, 1992. And I think at that mass, Miss Marcel Citron was one of the parishioners. She was a very faithful devotee of St. Edmund's. Mm -hmm. And from St. Edmund's, I went to St. Michael's in Crowley and was introduced there as Chancellor of Notre Dame High School. And for 10 years, uh, I was a Pio fan, and I still am a Pio fan. And then I went to St. Elizabeth Seton in Upper Lafayette on Moss for five years from 2012 to 2017, and since 2017, I'm a retired priest of the Diocese of Lafayette, but probably more active and busier now than when I was an official pastor. How about that? But but I wouldn't want it any other way. It's been a delightful blessing in my life to be a priest, 
And if God can help somebody like me be a priest, he can help you do anything he guides you to do. Just give him half a chance. Well, welcome to the show, Father, and you're such a blessing to our family and our community, and I see you all over, and you're in a lot more churches than you, even what you said, because I go to St. Jules sometimes, and you're there. You're all over the place. <laughs> Charlie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm Charlie Hardy, uh, and I'm from Orneville, Louisiana. My dad was Sam Hardy. Uh, my mom was uh, Alice Mistro, um, and uh, Nonco Pelafig had uh, siblings, one of them. Uh, was my dad's mother and my grandmother and uh, anyway um, I was lucky uh, when I was confirmed during confirmation to have Nonko as my sponsor and uh, believe me my instructions were thorough and clear uh, and uh, we had a wonderful time and uh, I think my mom picked the, the name Augustine as my confirmation name so uh, Noko has been present in my life for a long, long time. Um, we um, started the uh, Auguste Noko Pelafig Foundation in 2012. And uh, a lot of people in the Orneville area had come to us talking about how Noko had touched our lives in some way. And um, we decided to uh, begin the foundation to investigate canonizing uh, Noko. And uh, it was uh, a laborious task. A lot of people worked really hard. Uh, all of the members on our, co our committee need to be commended because we had a really strong nucleus group to bring it this far. And uh, my confirmation, I'm, uh, I'm guessing, was probably around 1959, 58. But in 53, uh, thanks to Monsignor Bernard, the pastor of Orneville for many, many years, no co received Pope Pius XII uh, papal <clears throat> medal and decree. And it was presented to him by Bishop Jules Jamard, the first bishop of the Diocese of Lafayette. So the best description of Noko uh, was he was a disciple of God. He spent his life on foot, going door to door, uh, delivering the Sacred Heart leaflets uh, to many of the members. He had over 1,100 members in the uh, in the foundation, and uh, he was a big promoter of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Um, to this day, well, we honor him uh, around Father's Day. We're going to do it this year, uh, Father's Day, uh, which is also the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which coincidentally, nice. when Noko died in 1977, he died on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Amen. Uh, so June 6th. Uh, June, that's and, right. And, and when I was doing a little research before the interview, my father passed away on June 6th. Wow. And June 6th is D-Day. Mm -hmm. I don't know if y'all mm -hmm. knew that. It's I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was like, wow, okay. okay. What, what really uh, uh, all of the listeners should take a look at, we have an, a website, nonco.org. And uh, the reason that's important, the uh, movement really got a shot in the arm when I received a phone call from, the, from a postulator priest in the Vatican. And they had actually been researching candidates for sainthood. And they found this beautiful website that we have. And uh, it was a lengthy conversation. But what I'll never forget is that uh, Father Louis Escalante, who called, uh, he's a postulator. You need a postulator who's a canon lawyer to, to further the cause of canonization. And uh, he told me that their postulated committee had been researching candidates for canonization. 
and that they had had enough saints that were once popes, bishops, priests, Franciscans, nuns, and they needed a layperson. And that Auguste Noco Pilafic fit the profile, and he wanted to come down to Orneville and meet with us. Well, that was the day that the whole movement got a tremendous shot in the arm, and he's been here twice. Uh, on January the 11th of this year, 2020, Bishop Desitel uh, formally opened the cause for canonization for Auguste Noco Pilafig. He's now this, called a servant of God. You can pray for his intercession, and we ask you to, because already he has entered the lives of many people who needed him, and the results have been just unbelievably good. Thank you. Fantastic. So, Father, um, for me, the inspiration for the show of Cajun Catholics was just this, to feature all the outstanding Catholics in Acadiana. Um, there's so many, there's so many good people, and so many people past that have laid a foundation for us, but... You know, here, for me, it's full circle because you see people like Nonko that laid the foundation for us Catholics, and, and now we kind of know why, why why we're so devout. What's special about, about Acadiana and, and the Cajun culture and the Cajun Catholics? Because I know that's close to your heart. Oh, sure. I think in this area, the devotion of the laity to the church and their commitment to living the teachings of the Catholic Church is admirable. And along with that is their devotion and affection for priests. They are so accepting of priests, and some priests are very virtuous and admirable, and we've had some who have been a little more on the scoundrel side and maybe have done things not right. But the devotion of lay people to the Catholic Church, the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, and their affection and acceptance and support and encouragement of priests is magnificent. I am still a priest, and I'm a better priest because of the encouragement of lay people than I would probably be on my own potatoes. <laughs> but they encourage, they guide, uh, and in my last three years of my life, I was diagnosed with lymphoma three years ago in May of 2017. And the support, the prayers, the affection, the, the cards, the letters I've received from people, some of whom I hadn't been in contact with for 40 years, assuring me that they were praying for me, thinking of me, and I know they do it every single day. So this area is a great place to live. The joie de vivre of the Cajuns is uh, admirable, sometimes a little excessive and sometimes <laughs> a little much, but the devotion and the faith life of the people here, the spirituality of our area, and that has been nurtured and watered by people like Noko Pelafi, who for years encouraged people, prayed with people, brought people to church, and not only did he support the leaflets of the Sacred Heart and devotion to the Sacred Heart, but every summer he would have a week of plays. And this is in the 40s and 50s before anything was any in the small community of Orneville. And he would have these plays where he would instruct people, write the script with the help of a few lay people, and just teach us how to do things in the hall and the and being involved in the play with Noko was always a blessing. Mm. It was a it was kind of like a star on your curriculum vitae, and it always impressed our parents when Noko would invite us to to be involved and to share in the plays and act out and do things. And that ex almost overflowed in the community and the service we did for others, helping people, especially visiting the lonely and visiting the sick when we could go with Noko and other lay people or the priest at the time. So the foundation stone of our community is the saints who have come before us. They may never be canonized, but their example, their memory, their 
their work is just foundational for us all. I uh, I saw this article out of the Catholic um, ma uh, the Catholic magazine, I believe it is, and we all think that the Holy Trinity in Cajun country is what onions and bell pepper and what am I missing? Uh, there's, there's a third one there, onions, bell pepper, and I don't know. That's the Holy Trinity. <laughs> celery. Good Lord, I'm forgetting celery. And, and, and uh, I'm looking at this article about, and it's, it's entitled, Will These Louisiana Cajun Catholics Become Saints? Diocese Begins Canonization Cause. And, and maybe this is the Cajun Trinity, really, is Charlene Richard, Auguste Nanco Pelafigue, and Lieutenant Father Verbus LaFleur. And these three people right now, are up for canonization, I believe, and yes. and Bishop Desitel, I think, recently uh, nominated um, Father Lafleur, and uh, so, or at least, I believe he had a mass and whatnot. But I was reading about him. He's from Ville Platte. But I want to share a story with the two of you that I heard firsthand from Pam Angel Gilbo, who uh, is close to our family and and a friend, and she, their family lived across the street from Nonco. And maybe this will jog some of y'all's memory of things. She said that his backyard was like a forest uh, when they were kids, that there was so many trees back there, and that's the way he wanted it. And he really sounded like a St. Francis of Assisi. He, he loved mm -hmm. the animals, and she talked about it. But her, her, her grandmother told her, don't, go over, don't wander over to the house because they had heard rumors that he had a pet snake. And so they would, she was told, don't go near there. And so in eighth grade, she disobeyed her mother. Pam, I'm sorry, I'm telling this story. And she went across and she uh, went into Mr. Bellafigue's um, house. And she said they had little candles everywhere that were in like bean cans. And she said it was pretty scary. She was scared to death. And she saw him and he's like, what are you doing here? And she said, oh, Mr. Nonko, uh, you know, uh, where's that snake? And he says, oh, honey, it comes and it goes. You know, I don't know. It, it comes and it goes. So she ended up going home, and, uh, and, and then she ended up getting in trouble for it. Her, her mother found out that she had gone there. But her other memory of him was that um, her, her mother would cook dinner at night, and she would take the scraps of whatever was left and hand it to Nonko, and he would come to the house and, and get them. And he would always take use it with his hands, and, and he would actually eat some of the food, and then he would give the rest of the animals. And, uh, and that was something that happened like almost every night. And, um, and that he only had one tooth or two teeth maybe towards the end of his life. And the one tooth or two teeth that he had left was wiggling. It was moving all the time, you know. And, and that was her memories as a child of Mr. Nonko. But, but her family taught her that he was a, a very devout man. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she mentioned was he would walk around his yard constantly mumbling. And what she was told is that he was speaking in tongues and praying mm -hmm. constantly. So, Charlie, I'll let you chime in. Tell me if you've yeah, some of those the, stories. The other uh, Noko house story, by the way, Noko had, throughout his life, had no indoor plumbing, had no electricity. And uh, he, uh, uh, his uh, aunt, Annie Kali, uh, was in the house one day, and she said, Noko, look, look at all the uh, spider webs in here. We need to clean all that out of your house. And he said, uh, leave those spider webs alone. Uh, they they helped me get rid of the mosquitoes. Uh, pretty simple man. Uh, he did have a lot of animals. Uh, my mother, uh, just like Pam's, cooked for him. Um, we lived two, we lived right next door to Pam's um, uh, grandma, and uh, the, both of these ladies would cook for Nuncle every day. Not much. He didn't want much. He'd always you'd always find his uh, clean plate, fork and knife, and glass at the front door early in the morning when, when you got up because he had already walked by 
on his way to, to church. He was always the first one uh, in church, attended every mass. Uh, Orneville uh, at Little Flower School and, of course, the church uh, had a janitor named Mike Toops, uh, Mike Stutes. And uh, Mike told me a story one day that on a real cold morning, he opened up the side door to the church to go in and turn the lights on for the six o'clock mass, walked through the church to the north side of the church to open that door, which is where Noko usually sat. And when he opened the door, Noko was standing there waiting for it to be unlocked. The, the wind was hollowing and it, it was freezing. Uh, Noko was shaking and he said, Noko, why don't you meet me on the south side and uh, you won't have to uh, withstand this cold weather and wind. And he said, that's okay, Mike. He said, I'm offering up this as a penance for the souls in purgatory. It just, he was always, he was mumbling, but he was praying. Mm -hmm. And he took care of a lot of people, not only delivering the leaflets, but there are people that have come up to me with stories about uh, trouble at home. It could be uh, a child, it could be uh, unemployment, could be a, maybe a pending divorce, certainly an illness. And Noko would spend time with them, uh, talking with them, listening to them, praying with them, and just moving on. And of course, Noko, we never heard those stories. A very humble man, uh, willing to help people along the road. Uh, as long as they were praying to Christ, he was on their side. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show, and today's guest is Mr. Charlie Hardy and Father Gary Shakespeare, and we're talking about... Uh, the potential canonization of uh, Mr. Augusta Nonco Pelafig from Arneville, and uh, just sharing some beautiful stories about a true Cajun Catholic and someone who I think we all uh, we would all want to be like, and uh, and who's such a humble man. I believe I feel that's the word I keep hearing, humble. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more, Father. What 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 uh, your memories of him are? Growing up, my parents were always impressed in encouraging us to watch Noko and to seek to see how humble and faithful he was and how consistent he was, like Charlie was saying, going to Mass, helping people, and being very simple about his life. Uh, he didn't have a lot of clothes. Uh, he wasn't a fashion model, of course, but everything was centered around doing for others, helping the church, and living a life that centered around the, the, the great commandment of loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul and strength. And Noko was the paradigm of that in Orneville for, for many years, for many decades. And he's still an example for many people like me and Charles and all the members of the foundation who seek to remember Noko, not just to canonize him and to work through the process with the postulator, Father Escalante in Rome and all the things that will have to be done, but to take some of those virtues of faithfulness, simplicity, devotion to God and to others, and incorporate that in our lives so that we can be more of an instrument and a leaven for good in the community and the world in which we live. There are many forces for good in our community, but there's a lot of trakas and a lot of boogamen. <laughs> there's a lot of troubles that people get caught up in because they get lost. They get confused as to what matters. Noko knew what mattered, his faith in God, being faithful to God and living the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, and being of service to others in his simple, quiet, humble, uncomplicated way. My life is good, but sometimes it gets more complicated than it needs to, and it gets me confused and off-center. Noko seemed to have kept his center, his center of faith, his center of devotion, and what truly mattered. 
he will be an example and a moderate, a great example for us for a long, long time. I think we uh, we talked a little bit before we came here about why Nanko wasn't a priest because it seems like a natural fit. It seems like he was in a place where he would he would want to be a priest, and it seemed like he had a, every every uh, everything that would, would what you would believe to be in a priest. But there was a thing called y'all told me about Jensenism. I, share that a little bit. That's interesting. Uh, I was fortunate that uh, I interviewed uh, Monsignor Bob Angel and uh, also Annie Kali who was uh, Noko's niece. And uh, both of uh, those beautiful people have passed away recently, and we were lucky to document their stories of Noko. And uh, Father Bob Angel uh, told me the story uh, that the word Jensenism was used. I had never heard it before, but uh, he always felt that Noko should have been the first priest from Orneville. He had never talked about this with Noko. Uh, Annie Kali told me Noko never talked about a vocation to the priesthood. However, as Bob talked to me about Jensenism, uh, he, he indicated to me that uh, the I think it was the f- priests from France that brought the mentality here uh, down to south, I guess the southern part of the United States, that uh, perhaps the Cajun wasn't as worthy to be a priest uh, uh, and uh, was somewhat uh, almost nervous to indicate that they wanted to be become a priest. And he thinks Noko may have gotten trapped in, in that uh, during those days. Bob Angel himself told me that his father, uh, B.J. Angel, was not happy about his uh, calling to become a priest. And, uh, of course, later he was extremely happy that Bob was ordained and was supportive, but his father was caught up in this thinking um, that Bob wasn't worthy as a Cajun to be a priest, and Bob's so thankful that he continued aggressively and was ordained. And uh, we we hear some stories from Bob, Angel, and Annie talks about the stories of Noko hopping on a freight train uh, in Orneville, and he would go teach classes in Port Barry and, and ride the freight train coming back to Orneville. Uh, he would teach English and French. He, he could speak English. He could speak French. He could write them both. He was a tremendous instructor. Mm-hmm. And uh, Father Gary Schicksnader here was a pupil in Noko's class uh, in the third grade. Uh, Noko was uh, extremely supportive of the Maronites of the Holy Cross nuns in Orneville uh, at Little Flower School. Uh, the the plays that he conducted that Father Gary talked about were just incredible. Uh, every student that wanted to perform was able to perform. It, nobody was eliminated. Uh, everybody got a little, maybe it was only one sentence to step up to that big, tall, silver microphone and, and uh, dressed as a, a shepherd or uh, a nun or uh, something very religious. Uh, uh, he would, he would, uh, simplify everything everybody was part of a colored team you either yellow blue red and uh you simply walked the stage following the yellow blue green arrow on the stage during these performances and uh and then you when you got to the microphone your your little sheet was numbered you knew when it was your turn and the parents in the audience were so proud uh the auditorium was packed 
and Noko was sending a religious message uh, to the children, to all the adults in the room, and it worked. It, uh, the church in Orneville was always packed, and of course, Noko was always in that congregation. That's awesome. Yeah. Noko was a very educated person. He had a simplicity and a humility that was almost alarming for most people. But don't ever underestimate his knowledge of the church, its teachings, the sacraments, and his ability to communicate. He and the nuns worked well together, and he was the first non-religious to teach at Little Flower Convent. And he was very competent. At times, his discipline skills were not what they could have been, but with so many kids in the class at the time, Noko was very effective and very successful and very encouraging. And I know, as I mentioned before, for me, when I went to the seminary, Noko was one of my great supporters, assuring me of prayers, assuring me of my his interest in what I was learning and how I was doing. And since I was a good student, that pleased him immensely, that he had had something to do with my education and my background. But Noko was very gifted and talented, but the, the qualities that came across the most was his humility, his faithfulness, and his desire to live a simple life, uncluttered with things or material things, but just centered around faith, devotion, and prayer, and support of God and the church and the sacraments. Some things I thought that were pretty neat that I read about him was <clears throat> that he was born near Lourdes in France. And I thought that was really interesting. He moved here when he was one, I believe. Yes, a, young, a child. That's As amazing. Child. And, and and the other thing that caught me, uh, being a Cajun Catholic and having a lot of Cajun Catholics on this show, I've never heard of the Apostleship of Prayer. Is that still around? Is the, mm -hmm. the group still yes. active? Oh, yeah. Yes. Tell me uh, about the group. Very active group. Um, and uh, they... Um, I think it's the third Thursday of each month, the Apostleship of Prayer Group gathers at two local nursing homes, one in Orneville and one in Cecilia. And uh, they, they of course, have the uh, prayer of the month uh, uh, that uh, illustrates the Pope's intentions for the month. <clears throat> they say prayers with not only the, the people that are living in the nursing home, but also some of the staff. And it's become, uh, it's caught fire. Uh, Father James Kabicki, who leads the uh, Sacred Heart Foundation, came down to Orneville, and uh, he was promoting the Apostleship of Prayer, but he said uh, Orneville was the first time he had ever experienced Apostleship of Prayer meeting uh, at a nursing home, and he has since begun promoting um, doing this in other nursing homes throughout the United States. Through Father Kabicki, we were able to obtain Sacred Heart leaflets dating back to, oh, the very beginning of the Sacred Heart leaflet. Uh, today, of course, uh, you, you get them online. You don't get the, the piece right. of paper anymore, which dinosaurs like me don't particularly like. But uh, we, uh, We're learning how to cope with technology. But the Apostleship of Prayer still group strong. still going strong. We've had a little setback with COVID-19, some delays. Uh, with social distancing, but yes, very strong today. All right. You've been listening to the first segment of Cajun Catholics, and uh, I want you to invite you to tune in next week where we're going to continue to talk about Nonco. And you know, I've understand that you need, there's two miracles that have to be confirmed in order for him to have his canonization. And we're just going to continue to talk about that and Father Gary Shakespeare and Charlie and, and uh, about.
about what, what's brought them here today. I want to thank you all for tuning in today. And again, check us out next time on Cajun Catholics. And until then, engage the Cajun Catholic in you. God bless. Yeah.